This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and the name of today's show is Bridal Bucks. We're going to talk about money and marriage. With me today is Kelsey Banky. Welcome, Kelsey. Thanks, Mary. Kelsey is a certified financial planner with us at Stirk Financial. And um, I asked Kelsey specifically to do this show with me, being as she is the one of all of us who has been most recently actually gone through a wedding herself. <laughs> That's been a number of years, but it's, it's still the most while. recent wedding. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been married now, Kelsey? Oh, almost seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about marriage and money. We're going to talk about merging money or not merging it when you marry. We're going to talk about planning for that remarriage. So like if it's a second marriage, how that changes things with the money game. And how it changes it if they have children. That's a whole different kind of consideration. We're going to talk about that thing called a prenup. (laughs) Sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes it's not. And we're also going to talk about some good communication techniques for, um, you know, being able to talk with your spouse about money when you are getting married. All right. So here's the thing is that one of the biggest fights that people have when they're married is about money. Yeah, I don't remember the statistic, but you see it all the time. Absolutely. One of the things people are going to fight about, most likely, is going to have something to do with their finances. Right. And and the reason for that is that you both grow up with different backgrounds and attitudes and philosophies surrounding money. And the chances of you finding a mate that mirrors your views about money exactly are very, very slim. So usually in a marriage, somebody's a spender and somebody's a saver. We don't usually see two savers, but oftentimes there are two spenders. (laughs) (laughs) So the bottom line when it comes to money and marriage is that you have to talk to each other about money. It needs to be a conversation that you're both very open about. And it needs to happen before you get married. You can't wait until, you know, after the honeymoon and say, okay, now tell me about your finances. Right. That doesn't work right. <laughs> very well. So. so here's some things to talk about. When you're ready to get married and you're thinking about those bridal bucks, <laughs> you want to discuss your financial goals, right? You want to be talking about how much money is important to you to have just sitting in the bank? Like what's your gut number to have money set aside to make you feel comfortable and confident? Because if your gut check number on having emergency money set aside is like 10,000 and somebody else's is 1,000, then you're going to have a pretty big difference in terms of comfort level with having money available. And that can cause friction and problems if somebody's feeling anxiety or that it's a problem that there's not enough money around, right? So communicating about those kind of things is huge. It's also important to talk about your short-term goals like paying off debt, going on vacations, saving for college. And the big one, what about paying off the debt that you went into for that wonderful giant wedding you just spent all that money on? (laughs) They're getting expensive nowadays. (laughs) They are. People spend more time planning their wedding than discussing their entire financial future together. (laughs) 
Isn't that crazy? Short term, yep. <laughs> yes. Most people spend about a year planning a wedding. They plan it down to, you know, the nth degree, how much the dress is going to cost, what about the cake, they're doing wine tastings, the venue, everything like that. And I wish that people would spend a tenth of that time talking about the actual finances after the marriage because I think the marriages would be likely to get off on a much solid or much more solid foot, right? <laughs> yep. All right. So one of the things you have to think about when you're getting married is your bank accounts. Do you want to have separate bank accounts or do you want to have joint bank accounts? This one is really interesting to me because I, there, I there's no right or wrong way. It's really just what works for you. I've seen it done several different ways um, between just everything joint everything separate. I know couples that have separate accounts and then have a joint account that they put proportionate amounts of the bills in. I mean, there's just different ways you can do it. And it's really interesting to talk to people about how they do it. So talk about it, figure out what's going to work for you and your spouse, your future spouse. Um, But make sure that you do have that conversation because the bills are going to have to get paid and you need to know who's going to be paying those and how much. Right. Nowadays, they, you know, it's not it's not the traditional just one single bank account for the house. You can do it a lot of different ways. Right. And so um, when you're entering into a new situation like a marriage, you might be moving. You might be having other changes, life changes come along. It really is a good idea to think about preparing a budget. It doesn't have to necessarily be a big crazy one or a big fancy one, but you have to understand how your money is going to flow in your new marriage to, to know Who's going to pay the bills? How they're going to get paid? Whose responsibility it is to write the checks? You know, are you going to set things up automatically? Things like that. Absolutely. And just the awareness of both parties, knowing what the bills are, because, you know, if you aren't the person signing those checks and paying those bills every month and you see two incomes come into a checking account, you might think you can go on a a shopping spree. Uh, But having that awareness, (laughs) you know, even if you're not going to be the one paying the bills, knowing what they are so that you know what spending limits you kind of naturally have is going to make everything better. (laughs) Right. Now, let me talk about credit cards for a second, because as you get married, you might think about adding your spouse's name to your credit card. And I want to suggest that you think again. So when you and your spouse have joint credit, both of you become responsible for 100% of the credit card debt. And if one of you has poor credit, it will negatively impact the credit rating of the other one. Okay, so it's usually a good idea to keep your credit separated when you're getting married, especially if one of you has better credit than the other one does. So maintain separate credit cards and separate names on them if you're going to take out a new credit card or something like that. Okay. All right, let's talk a little bit about insurance side of things. When it comes to health insurance, you're going to want to do a cost-benefit analysis to see whose health insurance is the better plan to be on, right? A lot of companies now are moving to a system where they will pay for, you know, the employee's coverage or pay a portion of it, um, but not pay a portion of the spouses or kids. But what's happening is we're starting to see there be a exclusion that if your spouse has the option to get health insurance through their own company and they choose to go on yours instead, they're upcharging it, right? That's happening, ladies and gentlemen. So you need to understand what the rules are on the health insurance side of things before you make final decisions about how you're going to merge your health insurance. 
And it is a big financial consideration. Their insurance plans are vastly different mm-hmm. nowadays and the different types of coverage that they offer. So it's a it's not a one size fits all approach on this. You really need to look at what are your health needs, what are your family's health needs, and figure out where's the, the most cost effective place for you to go. Right. Absolutely. And then let's talk a little bit about saving money. So, you know, most people spend more money on the wedding than they save for retirement during the first three to five years of their marriage. <laughs> I wish that statistic was different, but I it's wish it so was true. flipped. Yes, exactly. I, I know. get it though. Oh, when you're in the midst of planning a wedding, it's it's tough not to get sucked into all of it. So <laughs> Absolutely. But when you're entering into that new marriage, then you want to be looking at what are the retirement plans that each of you has. And then if you're working, what are the rules of the retirement plans that your company has so you know where the best place is to put money going forward, right? So as an example, let's say that the um, wife's plan says if you put in 10% of your salary, they'll match it with 5%. And then the husband plan says if you put in 3%, we'll match it with 3%, right? Well, instead of each of you putting in, you know, 5 6 7%, you're going to want to max out the matches. Even if it means that one of the spouses is putting a higher amount in to max out the match than the other one is, you're still going to want to set it up that way to max it out because ultimately at the end of the day, the money is saved for your family and you're going to both be utilizing it later in life. Right? So max out those matches and understand your employer-sponsored retirement plans, how they work. Okay, let's talk a little bit about remarriage. <laughs> so I have been married twice and I have been divorced twice. I might not be very good at this whole marriage thing. <laughs> I am 100% sure I'm only going to do this one more time, (laughs) if that. (laughs) But there are some crazy things that you have to think about when it comes to remarriage. And so one of the biggest things that you have to be concerned about is what is going to come from the past that can haunt the future financial situation in your marriage, all right? By the time somebody gets remarried, they frequently have children. They almost always have some kind of baggage, you know, that that is from their past that's going to come into things financially. And a lot of times that takes the form of debt or bad credit. Okay, so I know it's not a sexy, fun, great thing to talk about in terms of, hey, honey, let's get married. And by the way, what's your credit score? (laughs) But that, let me tell you, is a really, really important conversation to have with someone, especially if you're entering into a marriage that's not your first one or when you're not, you know, just right coming out of college. Okay, so. The, um, the debt and the less than spotless credit history, particularly if you've been through a divorce or particularly a bad divorce, can absolutely affect you and your new spouse in a negative way. So you want to understand what the issues are and understand how they will impact both of you going forward. 
Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists for six years running, including 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and 2023 Forbes Top Women Wealth Advisors Best in State, number one in South Dakota. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stark. And today we're talking about bridal bucks. We're talking about the whole idea of finances connected to marriage. So we talked about communication. We talked about ways to um, merge money when you're getting married. And now we're talking about the remarriage factors and what to be thinking about with that. So one of the things that is important to understand is how the children of your new spouse affect your financial future. All right. So, um, you know, when you're married to someone, obviously children are important. If they're your children together, a lot of times you might be on the same page, you know, when it comes to finances surrounding them. But even when it's your children biologically together, there's frequently disagreements. Would you say that's correct, Kelsey? Absolutely. Yeah. So if they are children that are not biologically yours together, the chances are there's going to be even more disagreements about things connected to them financially. So that can definitely put a strain on a marriage. So what you need to understand is a couple of things about money and marriage when it comes to children. First of all, if your spouse is responsible for paying child support, you need to understand that because it's obviously going to be a factor in your cash flow in your marriage, okay? And if your spouse is receiving child support, then you have an inflow of that, but you're going to have to understand what the plan is with that money. Sometimes people have that money go directly to benefit children. Sometimes people just utilize that money within the household to take care of the entire combined family. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but you do have to understand what your spouse's philosophy about that is. I think that's very important. Well, there's Yeah, there's a lot with that. And then sometimes there were agreements made about how college is going to be paid for or um, what even, you know, schools they're going to go to if they're going to go to private high schools or things like that. All of that needs to be understood because it could be different. For yours, mine, and ours. Right. Um, and, and you might not have a lot of say on, on the ones that aren't yours, mine, or ours, I guess. Um, right. So again, just the whole thing of this this episode goes back to you have to communicate about <laughs> it. Yes, you do. Don't wait until the ring's on the finger to then have the conversation. <laughs> it probably won't go as well. Now, one of the things that's kind of unique to people who have um, have a little bit of life under their belt is that when you think about getting remarried, sometimes people hesitate to do that because they fear losing their Social Security or pension benefits from a deceased spouse. And this is a very real issue for people because if you remarry, there are certain things that will stop depending on how different plans are written. So not all pensions will stop, but Social Security benefits may or may not stop depending on your situation. So you need to investigate what those are going to be and protect yourself to make sure that your finances aren't adversely affected by the marriage. Or if they are, that you at least understand that ahead of time. 
Now, the book I recently wrote, Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger, has some tips and tricks in there for estate planning and for retirement planning and thinking about how to utilize that Social Security in the best way. And I'm really excited to announce that the book, the, the print version of the book, is going to be available in bookstores across America for the first time on June 20th. So that is right around the corner, and I can't wait to walk into Barnes and Nobles and see that book on the shelf. <laughs> That'll be kind of fun. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So, but anyway, for those of you who are contemplating retirement, especially if you are in kind of that remarried situation, there's some good things in there for you to think about that you can bone up on. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about this concept of a prenuptial agreement. Okay. If you are getting remarried and you are having assets to protect, then a prenup is something that you might want to consider having. It's kind of a yucky topic, right? It's not super fun to talk about. Yeah, I think Hollywood's done a good job of giving it this really horrible feeling when you hear that word. So it doesn't necessarily mean that or have to right. be that way. It's just simply a contract. Yep, it is. And so the, the main things that people look to protect in a prenup are assets that they have, business interests, or children. So we're kind of back to that. If you have children from a prior marriage or a prior situation, then a prenup is often something that can detail out what happens if the marriage doesn't last. And, you know, the sad truth of it is that multiple marriages often don't last. Some of them do, and they're the most wonderful thing in the world, and some of them don't. So if you have significant assets or liabilities, you know, if you have significant debts that come into it, you're going to want that prenup there to protect you, okay? So it's basically going to spell out for you what happens with assets and debts if there is a divorce in the future. And it's just a good idea if you're at a point in the life where you have some, some assets to protect or especially if you have a business interest, okay? Now, it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be an ugly conversation. And it can be fairly simple if you're willing to have the conversations about you know, well, what happens if this doesn't work, if you're willing to have those adult conversations? But what you want to consider in a prenup is what are the assets and liabilities that you're bringing into the marriage? Which ones are going to be considered marital property and which ones are you still going to be considered to own individually? Are there gifts or inheritances that are going to be shared or are they going to be separate? And what are the debts that you're bringing in that the other one would not be responsible for in the event of a divorce. So those are some of the main pieces that you want to have included in your prenup. Okay, so there are also things that are called postnuptial agreements. And my understanding of postnuptial agreement is that um, it, it would obviously be written after you get married. But the postnuptial agreements are not always quite as strong as the prenuptial agreements are. You know, so if that's your plan that you're going to get married and then figure this out, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> Might not be the best plan in the world, though. <laughs> okay, and then the, the last thing that I want to, you know, talk about, especially when it comes to a remarriage situation, is paying attention to how your assets are titled. 
right? So if you own something jointly, then in the event you pass away, it's going to go to the other joint owner most of the time. If that's not the way that you want things to roll because you have children from a prior marriage, then paying attention to how you own those assets is going to be pretty important. Yeah, and in the same same aspect uh, on how things are titled, paying attention to beneficiaries as well. Um, that might change when you get married or remarried. It might not. Um, and again, with the yours, mine, and ours children situation, being on the same page with your spouse on how assets are going to be left to the children is, um, again, something to talk about because there's an infinite, really, number of ways to do it. And um, you just want to make sure you're doing it in the way that aligns with what you've discussed. Absolutely. And here's what people don't always realize is that beneficiary designations on an accounts, they trump your will. So you might have your will all set out the way you want to and things go to your kids. But if you've put in a different beneficiary on, let's say, your retirement account, that beneficiary designation is what rules the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes we see people forget to change their beneficiaries and still have an ex-spouse on them. And that is like the worst news in the world. You've lost your spouse and now all their money is going to go to their ex. That's not any good. <laughs> nope. It unfortunately happens more than though you would want it to. Right. So we have a great checklist for those of you who are getting married and have a wonderful special day coming up. Or if you know somebody that is, we have a great checklist that's kind of going through all the important points of what you want to be talking about and doing when you actually enter into a marriage. And it's called the Getting Married Checklist. So you can just go out to sterkfinancialservices.com and request it, or you can call our offices and request it. And we'd be happy to send you this Getting Married Checklist. It'll remind you to do all these important things that you might not have thought about. Absolutely. And, you know, we had somebody that, uh, a couple of people actually that have given their children as they've graduated college, they've paid for financial planning hours for mm-hmm. them, but that would actually be a really great wedding gift too. Yes, <laughs> so if you be. need a unique wedding gift that will pay for the rest of their lives, giving them financial planning early on in their uh, marriage might be a really great thing to consider. Yes. So all you brides out there who are busy planning your weddings, it's June, it's wedding season time. All of you who are spending lots of money on weddings, if you could carve out a little bit of money to begin that retirement planning or to do some financial planning together, that will be an invaluable resource for all of you. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode about bridal bucks. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049. 
and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.